get right into our first thing today. On Sunday, February 11th, 1990, civil rights icon Nelson Mandela was freed after 27 years in prison. And just a few months later, with the world's attention focused squarely on Mandela, he was on his way to the Motor City, or as he called it, Motortown. It was 30 years ago, June 28th, Nelson Mandela landed in Detroit and was received by thousands at Tiger Stadium. Reverend Wendell Anthony, president of Detroit's NAACP and Bishop Edgar Van of the city's second Ebenezer Church were integral figures in bringing Mandela to Detroit and played a huge role in this historical moment. It would be Mandela's first and only visit to Detroit. Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire spoke with Reverend Anthony and Bishop Van about the story behind the event and what it means for them now 30 years on. Detroit was one of the key cities that was involved in the anti-apartheid movement. We were concerned about divesting with companies, General Motors, all the companies, Ford, Chrysler, Big Shell, Boycott, Gulf Oil, because they were all invested heavily in South Africa, the University of Michigan, divesting from South Africa. And so we have been pushing that, particularly because of the nature of Detroit and the kind of kinship between the UAW workers, unions, and the union movement in South Africa, which have been supportive of the workers in South Africa. So Coleman Young wanted to make sure that when Nelson Mandela got out, Detroit would certainly be a city that he would visit. And so we were having meetings at his office around this, uh, and about three of us went from Detroit, um, myself, Jim Holly, and at that time, Reverend Mangedra Inyadi, who was from South Africa, who was a uh, assistant minister at that time at the Hartford Memorial Baptist Church. And so we did go to South Africa uh, right after it got uh, released. Uh, we met with um, Walter Susulu, the African National Congre uh, Congress. We met with Alan Bozak and, and Bishop Desmond Tutu, a lot of folk who were involved in the anti-apartheid movement. And then the big day came when we would be having our sit down with Nelson Mandela. Uh, and uh, we were so excited. We were so excited about meeting with him. And we were on a little bus. Uh, getting ready to go to his home in Soweto. This was the same house that he and Winnie Mandela had lived in and were married in prior to him going to jail. It was so small, it was about 19 of us in our party, but he could not entertain us uh, in his house. Uh, so we had to greet and meet in his backyard. And I remember um, from that bus, I was so excited from Detroit, uh, going to Central High School, Wayne State University, marching to Mount Nelson Mandela. Now I'm getting ready to meet this bigger-than-life individual. You know, this time in Detroit was an, an important time as well for the city. It was 1990. Uh, we had the Detroit Pistons were on fire. It was Coleman Young's fifth and final term as mayor. It was a big, important time. And uh, I find interesting about this is I, I have not heard much talk about this anniversary. Well, Bishop Van, 
you were in charge of putting together a 2,000-person choir. Yes, um, I received a call from uh, Mayor Kong. I had been aware of the efforts that uh, Reverend Anthony, Reverend Inyadi had uh, been spearheading with regard to the connection between Detroit and uh, those who were supportive here in Detroit of the Free South Africa movement and uh, certainly the connection that was being made to Mr. Mandela. Uh, I knew that uh, uh, Coleman Young had a great interest uh, in this and it was very important to him. And I received a call uh, once the visit had been confirmed. I received a call from uh, the mayor asking me to put together a musical presentation with the mass choir for this event. Uh, there were gonna be other uh, singing celebrities there like um, Aretha Franklin, like uh, Stevie Wonder, etc. And he wanted to have a choir uh, aware of the movement that Reverend Anthony, Reverend Inyadi uh, had been spearheading here in Detroit, aware of the uh, passion that Mayor Coleman Young had uh, for Mr. Mandela and the movement, uh, I certainly agreed to uh, put it together. We didn't have very much time after the call. I had about three weeks to put uh, a huge uh, choir together. I called uh, Reverend Jim Holly at Little Rock Baptist Church. Since it was centrally located on Woodward, right in the heart of the city, to hold the rehearsals there, I thought it would be a good focal point. I wanted to have uh, a group from across uh, city and suburb uh, on that day. We put the word out, we put the word out. I had my own team and uh, uh, we knew how to get the word out to uh, as many people as possible. And that first rehearsal, we probably had 1,500 people who were there. The police had to block off Woodward Avenue. It was uh, very hot, it was in the month of June and uh, the doors were wide open, the windows were open. This, this melodious sound went throughout uh, the city, emanating from uh, Woodward Avenue, our, our, the, the epicenter and the spine uh, of the city. It was uh, widely, uh, the rehearsal was widely captured uh, by the local news media. And so I never had a problem after that trying to get choir members together. We ended up with uh, 2,000, 2,000 choir members and uh, I named the choir the Voices of Freedom. We were ready for the celebration at Tiger Stadium. You know, back at that time, you know, everyone had a sense of empathy and uh, excitement uh, for Mr. Mandela and uh, the, the humility. Well, on that particular day, there were no crimes, no murders uh, reported in Detroit on that day. It was a day of true celebration, uh, a day where people were coming together, uh, like we had, the likes of which we had not seen uh, very many times in our history. And um, we're working with, of course, uh, the mayor, Reverend Anthony, Reverend Inyadi, the host committee, uh, but we got the uh, great opportunity to sing before that 50,000 plus crowd there at Tiger Stadium. And um, of course, to sing also behind Aretha Franklin, 
and to sing also behind Stevie Wonder. I also pulled in uh, the Winans at that time, who were uh, also a part of our presentation, the choir's presentation as well. It was a great, great event, of course, that I will never forget. Uh, even though it's 30 years ago, I'm just grateful to still be here and Reverend Anthony to still have him here with us so that uh, we can speak to you about it today. And interestingly enough, WDET actually carried the whole event live. This was a, a huge day for Detroit. When you when you were meeting with Mr. Mandela, what was his what were his thoughts? What was his energy like? Did he share what was going on through his through his mind? Uh, Bishop Van mentioned a word, humility. Nelson Mandela was one, perhaps one of the most humble uh, persons I've ever met. When I met him in his backyard and I was trying to figure something out to say to him, he came running out and he says to me, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming to my house. And oh, Mr. Mandela, thank you for hosting us. And then he says, I just want to thank you for all that you've done. And I said to him, Thank me? No, sir. It is for me to thank you. His response was, oh, tis nothing. Now, here's a man spent 27 and a half years of his life in prison. He was such a humble person. And you just want to listen and talk to him. That's the kind of person Nelson Mandela was and is. That's why he is so beloved. That's why he will always be remembered as the Madiba, the leader, the, the one with honor uh, coming out of South Africa as a international statesman because he never gave back what was given to him. And how much do we need that kind of character and spirit in 2020? I think that the movement of the ANC in South Africa uh, proves that resistance does work that there is a, uh, a great benefit in um, providing resistance when there is inequity and oppression, that uh, it is the proper leverage that is given toward progress and success and change of policy. I, I think it's important to note that Mandela led a, uh, or his spirit of, if nothing else, and the world had to come to grips, and South Africa had to come to grips with itself because of that resistance. Well, if we fast forward 30 years later, racism has always existed and continues to exist in America. The progress that we make against it, of course, has uh, come from resistance again. And the resistance toward it, the fact that people are at a position now saying, that's enough, no more, this has to come to an end now, is again the leverage. And we see young people again in the streets, just as they were 30 years ago. I think that that resistance that leads to policy, that leads to the demand of change is what made the difference. Before we end this conversation, if you could, because both of you were so uh, influential in this, in this visit to Detroit of Nelson Mandela's. If you could, in, in just a few words, sum up how it personally uh, influenced you, what it personally meant to you. 
well, I'll go first and let uh, Reverend Anthony close it. Um, you know, it's the experiences that you have in life that make the indelible imprint upon who you are, what you become, what your convictions are, and uh, how you live your life. My work in civil rights, I'm a former vice chair of the Michigan Civil Rights Commission. Uh, I've worked with um, movements and, of course, with uh, systemic change down through the years in my career. Uh, but to have this opportunity to participate uh, and to give uh, some sense of leadership in the Nelson Mandela visit to Detroit in 1990 is a historical landmark that I will never, ever in my life forget. My, my son at that time was just a, a, a young child, and uh, I was talking with him uh, the other day. He was not quite 10 at the time, but we were talking about it because he still remembered this Nelson Mandela visit. He was walking right by my side, along with my wife, as we put this big music presentation together, this 2,000-voice choir. There's never been a 2,000-voice choir in the history of the city of Detroit. And we were reminiscing about it. And he even said then how much this meant to him in his life. I would hope that this time, this hallmark, this historic moment in the life of the city of Detroit, in the life of the world, with Nelson Mandela coming to America and to the city of Detroit will never be forgotten. I know much has not been said about it. We're in the middle of so many pandemics, but uh, I would hope it would never be forgotten because it is reflective of the continued struggle toward justice and equity, toward a much more better existence for all of us. And I would hope that his spirit, I would hope that his personality, as has been alluded to, I hope that the legacy that he leaves to the world will be emulated, will be followed, and of course, will never be forgotten. One of the things that I will always remember uh, is that Nelson Mandela made people better people, not bitter people. Uh, I remember the fact that uh, I was privileged and blessed to be able to touch and to see and to feel somebody who was an icon, almost a supernatural kind of an individual uh, in terms of the freedom struggle for justice equality. And I think that it's important to keep in mind that Detroit, all the cities had him the shortest time period, but we raised the most money. New York had him for two or three days. We had him just for almost a day, but we raised more money than any city in that shortest time period, which says something about Detroit and who we are. Nelson Mandela leaves us something. And I'll simply say this, no matter what you are doing, no matter how engaged you think you have been in the struggle, no matter how many marches you participated in, Nelson Mandela gave up the better part of his life, 27 and a half years. Could not shed a tear when he came out, physical tears. Unless you've done that, unless you've made that kind of a sacrifice, think about it. And then when asked the question, uh, what did you do? And what have you done 
in the words of Nelson Mandela, oh, these three words, oh, tis nothing. Now, if you can live a life and say after 27 and a half years of being in jail, beating rocks, losing your eyesight, the ability to not shed tears, not have your marriage, not see your children, your grandchildren grow up, losing your status, and all of that, and still come out and say, oh, tis nothing, then you have reached the pinnacle in your life that God will reward. For me, it just gives me the inspiration to continue to go on. Because when I look at what I've done compared to what he's done, I simply say, oh, tis nothing. You are listening to Detroit NAACP President Reverend Wendell Anthony and Bishop Edgar Vance. Remembering 30 years on South African President Nelson Mandela's first and only visit to Detroit, Motortown. They spoke with Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire. One aspect of the visit struck the interest of Metro Times writer Dave Mesri. You can find out more about it. Uh, it was now President Trump's connection with Nelson Mandela's tour of the U.S. in that summer of 1990. There is a link on our Twitter page to his investigation and remembrance of the event at DET Culture Shift. That's where you'll find that.